Um, you're good. Hello, and welcome to the Central Connecticut Intergroup Podcast. Uh, my name is Christina, and I'm an alcoholic. My name is Eddie, and I'm an alcoholic. And hi, my name is Pat, and I'm an alcoholic. And let's start with the serenity prayer. God, God, God grant, grant us the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Announcements. We have a few announcements. Um, <clears throat> Districts 1 and 4 are having their 37th annual Thanksgiving Alcathon. Starts Wednesday, November 23rd at 4 p.m. and continues Thursday, November 24th until 12 p.m. at St. Mary's Church at 54 Grove Street in Clinton, Connecticut. There is a solution. There's 20 hours of meetings. Full dinner and breakfast is served. Uh, coffee, desserts, and fellowship both days. Please bring a dessert to share. All are welcome. And uh, all parking in church lot. Uh, the other one is the Tri-City Alcathon. AA uh, Christmas and New Year's Eve in Cheshire Grange, uh, 44 Wallingford Road in Cheshire. Christmas, it's uh, 1224 uh, noon to midnight and 1225 8 a.m. to noon. New Year's is 1231 noon to 130 and uh, January 1st, 8 a.m. to noon. Open meetings on the even hours starting at noon. Uh, if you'd like to volunteer, please... Uh, Contact Kat at 203-427-1623. That's what we got for now. Thank you. Thanks, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so today we have our friend Pat with us. Pat, do you want to um, tell us a little bit about what life was like before AA? <laughs> yeah. Hi, everybody. My name's Pat. I'm an alcoholic. I will give you my sobriety date. It's February 1st, 1986. Um, I came into AA at 40. I came in um, coming out of a rehab, not really recognizing my disease, but very clearly had destroyed a 15-year marriage. I had two children, 12 and 14, um, and when I made that phone call to somebody, and I still don't know how I got the number, I really truly had no idea of the path I was going to go on. Um, I, I didn't, I wasn't brought up in America, I was brought up in Britain, uh, we're big drinkers in Britain, and, uh, and there were no limits, I was just telling somebody that the other day, you know, we are, if you were brought into, walked in the pub, you were served, it was our entertainment, it was what we did, we drank, uh, and we danced, um, I was brought up in South London, the same as South Bronx, um, and I did not recognize the insidiousness of what alcoholism will do. I recognized the uh, drunk men that were drinking, um, I think it was some kind of uh, spirits that they would mix with a soda and you would see them outside a DOS house. But I didn't have no idea of the, the gravi gravity of how alcohol moves along. Um, so I did everything that I've heard people do in alcohol, with alcohol, from the time I was 15 till I walked into AA at 40. I had blackouts, did not know that was alcoholic. I lied to liquor store owners about why I was buying so much alcohol. I found several liquor stores so that I wouldn't appear to have drunk so much alcohol. I would tell myself that um, I'm really okay to drive my kids home at nine o'clock at night in the dark, even though I pretty well consumed at least one full bottle of white wine. I didn't drink hard liquor, I drank white wine until the very end. I thought that was quite ladylike. But there flashes a scene where I couldn't get the bottle open one night with a corkscrew and I smashed the top of the bottle and then strained it through cheesecloth. <laughs> okay? Uh, all of these things I did instinctively without knowing that this was the progression of this disease. I would get up in the morning sometimes. Um, my, my drinking was sort of three segments. I drank from 15 till I was about 22. Um, I loved attempting suicide. I was very depressed. I spent a 
30-day uh, committed um, committed uh, time in Fairfield Hills mm -hmm. in 1968, and I spent eight months in a psychiatric hospital in 1969, mm -hmm. and nobody recognized alcoholism as a disease in this 23-year-old girl. So, you know, we were behind the times then. But I did order, seem to instinctively know that I needed to be in protective custody. And there was a young man working in this psychiatric hospital, so handsome, and he was working there, and I married him. <laughs> that, that I put myself into protective custody, and for about 10 years, I had children, I had a career, mm -hmm. I had those things. Um, and I was controlling my drinking. My ex-husband was the one I would drive home. And it was, it was about a 10-year period. And at the end of about 10 years, something um, unpleasant happened in my marriage. I also had some surgery and things. And it took five years for my disease to go from, maybe I've got a problem, to full-blown, mm. drink in the morning, gotta get home to have a drink have a husband leave you, and to full-blown alcoholism. Mm. And there, that was my journey. I finally, um, I, as I say, I, I had this phone number of a halfway house in Stanford, mm -hmm. and I still don't know to this day where, how I got the number. <laughs> I truly don't, and I, I recognize now somewhere my higher power did something for me, even though at the time I did not believe in a spiritual concept of life. Mm -hmm. That person suggested I go to the uh, clinic that they had, um, and that woman looked at me as I walked in. I weighed 72 pounds. I had this nice red hue that I thought looked amazing, and I must have stunk. And she said, well, and I said, I'm, I'm crazy. And she said, no, I think you're an alcoholic. Mm. And that was the beginning of my journey. I went into a rehab. Um, took me about six months to know what the rehab was because somebody drove me there and I spent 28 days there. I came out and for the first five or six months, I battled a thirst. Mm -hmm. I battled a thirst to a point where it seemed it was impossible. My last drink was somewhere in the middle of January 1986. Yet again, I pulled into a liquor store driving parking lot, bought that bottle of cheap white wine with a screw top, no, no, you know, no fancy stuff anymore, just something I could sneak up into my bedroom, past my kids who thought I was sober. Mm -hmm. And I sat inside a closet with a bottle of wine in a brown paper bag and proceeded to get drunk. Mm -hmm. I had been going to AA meetings during this time. I had been blessed with a woman who actually had her daughter with my son in school. So she had seen me drunk. She had seen me forget my child at her house. And she became my sponsor. And she was my sponsor for the next 32 years. I was going to meetings and I was not absorbing what was going on. I just knew I did not, I, I, I knew I would die if I kept this going. And, mm -hmm. and you know, when you listen carefully when you're at a meeting and if there's something that irritates you, you better really think about why is that irritating you. And there was a gentleman, I got, uh, I got sober in Stanford, Connecticut. There was a gentleman who was had about 28 years sober, and he was a curmudgeonly old bugger. He just was, <laughs> and you know, and I'd heard arguments, and I'd heard fights with Jackass, and but he would say the same, you know. And I don't care if your ass falls off, you just don't drink, and you would hear it every time. And I was standing in that bathroom, looking in the mirror. And there was nothing left behind my soul. There was nothing there anymore. Nothing. And all I could hear was Jack S.'s voice. <laughs> yeah, you know, God has a sense of humor. Mm -hmm. And this gravelly old pain-in-the-neck man was saying, that I don't care if your ass falls off, you just don't drink. Mm -hmm. 
And that was my spiritual movement. That was the, the, the a willingness to do anything out other than what my disease wanted. Um, I jumped into um, AA. I lied. Every, all my women tribe thought I was already sober. So I waited until I had a full year sober before I told my sponsor. These are not things I would suggest because you rob yourself. You rob yourself of the, the joy of knowing that you're, you're working a program. You rob yourself of the peace that can come with that. Um, but this is my story. And I, I, I went to my sponsor after a full year and... and she looked at me and all she could say was, I'm so sorry. Because she knew what I had cheated myself out of, mm. what I had cheated uh, my experience out of. And uh, and she said, now you'll go out and you will change your day everywhere you have a meeting. And it was like, okay, <laughs> Great. guess I will. You know, yep. Learn a little humility, a little bit of coming down from where you think you are. And then it was, it's been a journey for me um, of service. I, I like, I'm a, I, I am a very organized person. I had a good career. Uh, I ended up, I retired two years ago. I was the chief financial officer of a stock investment company. You know, I, I was pretty good at what I did. Um, so I like to organize and do things, but I didn't have to be upfront. And, and so I saw the service part of AA mm -hmm. um, for me as being a way to work through those defects because when you get into service with AA, they make sure you can't control because they'll just batch you down. You know, they'll just batch you down. Um, and, and you learn how to work with people. I've got a puppy staring at me who is so cute. So... Um, so after about two years of, of getting, you know, really getting my program in my soul and knowing that, uh, you know, this was part of who I am and this is the way of life, then I started to get into, you know, I, I became a GSR, I became a, you know, committee chairperson, I got, became a district chair, I moved on and I did area stuff. And, you know, in, in 19, let's see, 2008, I had the huge privilege of being... Connecticut's delegate on the, on the floor of the General Service Office. Mm -hmm. All because I pissed the bed, threw up and slept around. Now, <laughs> who, who would have thought that that is, that is where our disease can bring us? But it brought me to a point where I can say I, I was respected. Mm -hmm. I knew I was giving back mm -hmm. for everything that everybody has given me. I could see my children talking to me, actually liking me. And as I've stayed in AA, it's so it's become the answer for everything, you know. Um, my parents, both of them at different times, passed away in, during sobriety for me. My sons were 12 and 14. I went through two of them off following the dead, not knowing where they were. I, I Injuries, scared marriages, grandchildren, children, all the normal parts of life that if I had not stayed sober and not stayed in AA with, with my, my tribe around me, um, I would have cheated myself out of, out of 36 years of a really wonderful life. Mm -hmm. That I can, you know, sit back and say, not bad. Thank you, AA. Thank you for everybody that's always been there. So, mm -hmm. so that's how I've, and mm. today it's a way of life. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that gives you an idea of who I am. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I related to a lot of what you said. And like, I just love the part about service. I think we had talked about that on the phone too. Mm -hmm. Like, it just helps me keep my feet planted and stay grounded because, like, doing these things, helping me give back, like, it gives me self esteem. And then just seeing it in other people and connecting with other people. I felt so alone for so long. Like, until I came to AA, I remember I told my parents, like, why can't you just stop drinking? And it would be like, you don't know what it's like in my head. You don't understand. And then 
the first meeting I went to, it was a speaker meeting. The guy, just this old man, old man, mm-hmm. you know, he was up on the podium and he talked about exactly how I felt. And yes. I was just crying, you know, so dramatic. But I connected. And like, so now, like, I just, I love AA and like the service because it just, I feel a part of, and it's just, yeah, like, I'm so grateful for the life I have to, and like you said, like, my dog passed away, who I've had for 15 years, and mm-hmm. that was always, like, one of those things, like, what happens when Alex passes away, and, you know, mm-hmm. I haven't drank, you know, it was, like, a little over a month ago, and it's uh. sad, you know, and it still feels fresh, but, like, I didn't drink, and I've gotten through it, and the marriage is, like, connecting with my family, my sister got married, I got to be a maid of bond, my sister and I didn't talk, you know, because I had done so much wreckage in my drinking, and then she just had her baby, and we're the godparents, which right. is crazy, mm-hmm. they trust us, if if something happens to them, they trust us to take care of her, it's like, yes. how yes. is this my life now, yeah, and I was the same, like, I drink, and I put myself in dangerous situations with men, and I'm lucky to be alive sometimes I think about growing up in Vegas and drinking like it's I got grabbed in a parking garage one time and I'm just like I thought forgot about that until Sunday when I was talking to a friend of mine I was like oh my god I forgot I almost got kidnapped <laughs> like thank god I did not like and I'm here like I don't know it's just crazy how life is today and I, I don't think <laughs> I know looking back when I think of some of the situations I placed myself in mm-hmm giving no thought you know I, we used to, friends and I, we used to dash off to manhattan after work at five you know five o'clock mm-hmm. 1965 66 hit charlie browns i'd pick somebody up and you, you you never thought about the insanity of that mm-hmm. you know you know about looking for mr goodbar i mean it you know it did not you know i was young then and it mm-hmm. was it was you just didn't think of uh, the the insanity of doing that it all just seemed ex- acceptable. Exactly, mm-hmm. you said yeah. Put yourself in those situations, it all seems fine. You know what I mean? You're out doing just crazy stuff, and it's like, oh, this is perfectly normal. Yeah. And then I'm around people who also think it's normal. Mm-hmm. You know, and then something that it took me a little, a little bit to realize too is like, I was always past the edge of them too. You know what I mean? They seem to have a level of control I did not have. Mm-hmm. You know, and so yep. it's like we're already in a bad situation and I would just put myself way out there and not remember anything. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like people say like they never blacked out when they drunk. I'm like I that's crazy. I can't remember a time when I haven't blacked out. Like that's how I drink. <laughs> I like understand. I'm a blackout drunk. Like that's what it's going, that's what's gonna happen. It's like I get all the times, like I said, I'm surprised I never killed anyone. I never got arrested. Mm-hmm. I never had any of those things happen to me. I got extremely lucky, you know? And it's, yes. And I said, it's all it is is a higher power to my life. There's no difference between me and the other person. It takes a split second and I could be in jail for killing someone. I said, I. the joke used to be at our house was we'd have, um, I'd have Sunday fun day. We'd be at the bar all day watching football. And then Eddie would have mystery car Monday because I could never remember where I parked my car. <laughs> You know, and you walk outside my apartment at five in the morning. I'm looking back, forth. I'm walking around because I have no idea where my car is. And like, that was every weekend, and I thought it was perfectly fine. It was a big joke. Yes, you know, it was a big joke. Everything's fine. And he's just an idiot. Like it's okay. And that I think is the insanity of our, mm-hmm. our disease. That, mm-hmm. as you say, um, oh yeah, okay, I'll just get through this then. <laughs> Never looking at the, the fact that that particular situation, most people would look at and say, oh my God, what do you mean you don't know where your car is? Exactly. What do you mean you don't know what state you woke up in? What, you know, what do you mean that, you know, that you were in Cape Cod, you know? Exactly. <laughs> what? what? Up here. Hitchhiking <laughs> at three o'clock in the morning? Um, yeah, that was to me, and yet during the time it was going on, um, it's, it did, it seemed normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I do believe for me the I see a big difference today in the education mm-hmm. that has been put out about alcoholism, what it is, mm-hmm. how it, it shows up, the progression, the you know the thing the red flags. Um, you know if you look at our, the schedule book and those 20, you know those 20 questions, mm-hmm. um, they, they really do illustrate, where you need to look. Mm-hmm. It never dawned on me that when I would wake up in the morning and I'm having a cup of tea, because I'm English, so you got to have tea, <laughs> you know, my hands are shaking, mm-hmm. and all I could think of was, oh, I, I'm just nervous. I'm just a sort of hysterical woman. Did not 
ever, ever connect that that was withdrawal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did not connect. Did not connect that I kept going to a doctor and saying, well, there must be something wrong with my stomach, you know, do this, do that. Because, you know, I, what I was doing to my body, again, did not mm -hmm. connect. Had umpteen tests and, and spent money that wasn't needed. All because, you know, my body was saying, would you stop putting this crap in it? You know, you're you're not made to drink two liters of white wine a night. It's crazy. Like I said, I think about two. I said I had um, full on withdrawals on this girl's couch because, like I said, I was just showing up, kind of like okay, like I knew her and I was trying to drink, and I'm like trying to stop drinking. I'm trying to like be more like. Behave so when I'm not right and trying to like control it. And I'm just my body's used to drinking, and so like I'm out there that I'm full, like, oh, I'm just sick, but like actually, I'm having full blown withdrawals, like how sweating bullets, just shaking and everything, and thinking everything's fine, trying to play it off, like, yeah, no, I'm totally cool, you know what I mean? And it's fine, I'm sick, I know, so not yeah. even sick, yeah. check on the dogs, <laughs> they're doing you know, whatever, yeah. Dogs are going nuts. <laughs> Having a good time. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. where it's like your um, experience with the steps, did you do? Well, did you wait until you had that year? Or uh, oh yes, <laughs> I waited. I to tell you the truth, I, I was. You don't hear the word often anymore, but I was mocus for the first year. I, I I couldn't read oh, that much. You, you know, yeah. you, you just couldn't. I I couldn't sleep. I would call my sponsor and she'd say, well, then get up and do laundry. Nobody died from lack of sleep. She was a wonderful woman, but very pragmatic. Um, she, as a sponsor, had not really ever been involved in AA service. So we walked two different paths there. Um, and she was not um, a, a real pusher in, in, in terms of my step, the steps. Um, and so I, again, this is my story, I did not actually do a fourth and fifth step until I was almost three years sober. Mm -hmm. I had, I used the excuses, I guess, you know, I had the boys, they were in school, they were all of that stuff. I was had the divorce going on. I had my own business. And I, I just, all I wanted to do was just not drink, go to meetings, and just begin to feel sane for a little while. So I started to look, at, really look, I was going to step meeting every week, but I came to a point where, actually, my pride and my grandiosity and my arrogance are my major defects, okay? So, um... People could see I was a mess for the first couple of years. I had one woman who told me, lovely woman, respected. She said, you cried for the first two years back. I never saw anybody have more problems than you. Okay, but I just kept coming. And um, somebody asked me to be their sponsor. And I thought, well, I can't possibly be a sponsor if I haven't done a fourth and fifth and gone through them. So... I, I, you know, my motivators sometimes are a little screwed up, but <laughs> what can I tell you? So I sat, and I did not do it the way the big book said. I did not do it the way the 12 and 12 says. I didn't know how to do it. And, uh, you know, and I like to complicate things. Mm -hmm. But I heard somebody say in a meeting that he wrote a letter to God. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I can do that now. I, at that time, was running a word processing and typing service in Stanford. So typing it was easy. I typed 90 <laughs> words a minute at that time, you know. And I typed it on the screen. I saved it. I printed it, folded it, and then I held on to it. Never did not look at it. But what I did was I, I truly tried to talk to a, a higher power to look at what was that core thing that had constantly gotten in my way? And for me, it was that adoption of the fact that I am a victim. Mm. And that if I continue to say, I am a victim, if I continue to say, it is all your fault, 
And I continue to say, this won't go away. I am going to stay sick. So I took that folded piece of paper and I made an appointment with my sponsor and we did everything the way, you know, she was in Greenwich, so we all did it the nice way with candles <laughs> and everything else, you know. And I, I handed her the piece of paper and she handed it back to me and said, please read it. And I read that to her and I, I realized for me the core thing I had to shed because if I did not shift from thinking I'm a victim and if I did not shift from thinking everything that was done to me was cruel and unusual punishment and if I didn't believe that I could move forward from what were very unpleasant and difficult childhood memories um, I was going to stay stuck mm -hmm. and I was not going to be happy and you all when I would be in these meetings and I'd see people smile, I'd see people laughing and I'd think, I'm not sure I've ever smiled like that unless I was drunk. Um, I wanted that, mm -hmm. you know, I wanted that. I'm not a, a real <clears throat> funny person. I, 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 you know, there are a lot of people that seem to be much better at it than me. But um, I wanted to have some peace, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and that was what, so I, I did those that fourth and fifth, I looked at those steps. I then proceeded to um, go back to therapy because I had been in therapy quite a bit um, with a man who died. Uh, he died three months before I came into the program. Mm -hmm. So he did not see me sober. Mm -hmm. And he had been in my life for over 15 years. Mm -hmm. I'd even taken care of his children when he went on holiday. That was how much he trusted me. but. Um, so, the, you know, those gaps and those losses made me, made me believe that the therapy and the work I was going to have to do there was necessary mm -hmm. because I needed to shed that persona that I had carried, you know, mm -hmm. um, that would come out, especially when you were drunk. Oh my God, the tears and the, oh my God, and my mother was this and my father was that, da 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 da. I can't change any of that. Mm -hmm. I cannot change it. I can move through it. I can work with the therapist and feel the pain, what it felt like to feel abandoned as a child. Mm -hmm. But it, 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 it was really clear that I could not stay in that place. Mm -hmm. Any, you know, because if I, I did, um, there was going to be no joy. And I, I truly believe that you can. You can work and, that, and working with the steps, working with the sponsor, working with the therapist, I, I, being willing to go through the pain of, you know, of therapy because there was a goal, because AA gave me the goal. Mm -hmm. The therapy said, okay, let's, let's try and lose the pain. And AA said, now let's try and learn how to live. Mm -hmm. Let's look at what it's like to have a joyful day. Let's look at, maybe you could think about what to be grateful for today, Pat. That never crossed my mind, <laughs> ever. Maybe you could take a deep breath when you think, you know, well, that's not fair. And maybe you could look at it another way. And that to me has been the greatest enlightenment for me, that you all told me, look at it another way. You know, no therapist tells you that, but um, <laughs> but a sponsor will or yeah. a really good friend was, you know, I, I, I got over. I was talking to a sponsee today. She's got she's got about three and a half years now. And she is a joy to be with. She's a joy. She's very outspoken. She's very, very flamboyant. And, and I'm not. And so I, I'm sort of, you know, I, I sort of hang on her coattails. I'm good at that one. Um, <laughs> But she calls me up and she was like, duh, 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 duh. it was a terrible day. And I, you know, and it was so easy to say, okay, so now you've vented. Now you've gone on about what a horrible day it is. It's over, done, go take a hot shower, call me in the morning and be grateful for something. What were you grateful for today, sweetie? Find something. 
and and that was what I was told. Mm-hmm. You know, that was what I didn't have to stay in the mess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that does not mean that things aren't difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, my son was twenty two, and I got twenty one. And I got a call from a hospital saying we've just undergone brain surgery. He was brought in with a fractured skull. We don't know how he is. And uh, I was petrified. Mm-hmm. Petrified. Mm-hmm. But I went to that hospital. I prayed. I went downstairs to an AA meeting that was there and cried. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I need to let you know how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. And if I'm frightened, I'm going to let you know. And if I'm scared, or if I'm angry, my dad died, and I went to a meeting, and I was so angry at him. I, I literally was sat in a meeting and said, the fucker ended up and up and died on me. He died on me. <laughs> because he left when I was 15, and I, I there was so much un, unfinished business there, and I could say that in an AA meeting mm-hmm. and people would understand that I knew there was some I was going to have to close this and I was yeah I was angry he he mm-hmm. but I couldn't change what I didn't have from it mm-hmm. and so there is a meeting mm-hmm. there's a place to go and say an insane statement like yeah but died on me you know what I mean and nobody was going to look at me and think Oh my God! Someone sitting there nodding their head because everybody yes. exactly. Yes, it. yes, yes. It. It's just a little safe place where you can just. I have to share what's going on. You get the chance to share, and not someone there understands, and someone needs to hear what you had to say that day. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. One of those things where it's a, it's so nice to be able to have that space where you can share that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <clears throat> Without that. Um, Knowing, you know, especially when there's so many meetings around and, you know, I don't know about you, but I can remember one night, it was quarter to nine, I knew there was a meeting in Greenwich and it was a sweatshirt over the pyjamas and off I went, you know, I mean, right? Yeah. yeah. Why not? It's out today with Zoom, like you can even... Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to have that. I remember I hated it in the beginning, but like now it is nice, like if I'm in crisis or when I'm sick, I was really, really sick like a couple weeks ago, and it's just nice to know that's there, that I can use that. And yeah. and, and it was such a gift during the pandemic. I've seen women, young women mm-hmm. that came in during the pandemic yeah. and have stayed sober, mm-hmm. which to me is, you know, I'm selfish. I wanted all the hugs and everything, but <laughs> yeah. these young ladies, and they, they have, they've, it worked. Yeah. Like, it amazing. worked. I was in rehab during COVID, but I'd well, you... had a couple years in AA before. Like, so I'd also had that experience of yeah. like the, okay. the going to coffee, the meeting after the meeting, getting in service and all those things. So I was used to AA, but yeah, like the women and men, I guess also, I guess. Yeah. You know, that I, came guess, in I tend to go to women's meetings. It's crazy. Like, and, and they stayed sober. Like, I feel like they should get an extra pat on the back. For that. Like, <laughs> oh, I think you should because, um, you know, what, there, there's nothing quite like somebody standing there holding your hand while you're crying. Yeah. And when, that's not possible yeah. in Zoom. And yet, bless them. They, they, you know, they were blessed that way. So, um, you know, I'm, I, I, it's amazing to me when you look at the way a higher power sort of has organized some of this stuff. Yeah. You know? That's, and that's what I liked about how you said your step, like you did it a different way, like with the with your four and five. But I feel like that's that was God saying, all right, it's time. I know. Yeah. And like it was. It, it yeah. absolutely was. It's so personal, the steps. Like it, everyone's got a different experience with and them. And our <laughs> experience, each of our experiences with our concept of spirituality um, you know, as a young girl, I, I mean, I tried every religion there was. I marched with Methodists and a flag in South London. They looked like, you know, <laughs> sort of ba- what was her, the, the Bernard Shore, Sergeant Barbara or something. And, it, it, you know, I tried them all. I tried Judaism. I tried Catholicism. I didn't try Buddhism. Um, and then rejected them all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I came into AA... And I saw those shades up on the wall and that, that G-O-D word. And it was like, oh, okay, Pat, you can't turn off from that. You, you, you can't 
make that a automatic uh. Mm-hmm. You must stay. You must stay open, and that was important. And I, I had enough women who just would tell me, you know, um, why don't you just believe that I believe? Mm-hmm. Why don't you put your shoes under the bed so that you have to go on your knees to pick them mm-hmm. up? Mm-hmm. There were women that that looked at me and that they had shared their life and their experience, and I knew that they had faith, and that was who I clung to. Yeah. You know, the phrases stick with the winners. Those, you know, all of, you don't see the slogans that much anymore, but they work. Yeah. They work. And um, I want to hang a bunch in here. <laughs> <laughs> but so, you know, that journey to, I think one of the, the beautiful things about AA itself, and when you read the writings of Bill Wilson and, and, and Dr. Bob and, and, and even the concepts, etc., they are not asking us to, you must believe. They are leaving that door open every time to say, okay, we know that sooner or later if you do this, you're going to feel what you're going to feel and you are going to have the door open for, mm-hmm. for a concept of spirituality. Mm-hmm. And, and that to me was, you know... <laughs> I have a faith in a higher power that will I can turn to for strength. I can turn to for peace. I can turn to to just help me get through the day. Be nice if it would make it the way I want it, but that doesn't happen. Yeah. But I do believe that um, that spiritual foundation of our program is the thing that slowly heals. Mm-hmm. Slowly heals. Yeah. And... Uh, I came in seemingly really struggling with the God aspect of everything. So, mm-hmm. you know, I came in an atheist and like I've worked my way to being to a point of where, you know, I pray every day, I do have a higher power, you know what I mean? It's those things like so I came, do. came to believe it took a while for me to get there, but like I said, you had to start with something. Like my higher power is different for everybody. My higher power is like I said it took me a long time, it's just to the universe what goes out. You know what I mean? That's kinda of what it looked for me and that's what works for me, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's nice that everyone can have their own concept of what works for them, you know, the higher power just can't be you. It is not, and uh, you know, my my aversion to organized was religions was it was segmented, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, can't that that no. It, I be- truly believe that every human being has has this soul and has this ability to to connect mm-hmm. to it, mm-hmm. and and nobody in AA was going to tell me that I can't go that way. Mm-hmm. No, you know. Um, and when you sit around long enough, it just gets proven mm-hmm. time and time and time again, right? Yeah, the more I turn it over and the more I let my higher power work in my life, the more my higher power works and the more I see these things. Yeah. And like, yeah. I was talking about your statement earlier about the gratitude thing too, like you can change your day around, you know what I mean? It's just by simple acts of gratitude, you know? And I've, I've had to really start working that back into my daily routine, you know, because sometimes you get away from it. You do. And it's amazing when you get away from it. My, my head shifts so quickly, and it's like, you know, what comes right back around to me is, have I been praying every day? Have I been doing my gratitude? Have I been coming up for something I say something I'm grateful for every day or coming up with something like that? And it, mm-hmm. You know, and it's when I get away from those things and I get away from my higher power, like I can feel it. Yeah. You know, and it's yeah. crazy how that works now. I, it, it really is. And, um, you know, as I, I said about two, I retired three years ago, and um, I'm so happy. I'm all ready. <laughs> and um, New Year's Eve, 2020, I proceeded to have a heart attack, and then another heart attack, mm. and then um, all kinds of complications with an infected gallbladder, and it was a year of hell. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, I was like, I just retired. I, I was very, uh, very sick, mm-hmm. very depressed, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, and yeah, that network and that support carried me, because it was a long year, it wasn't just a, 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 it was a long year, and it was the pandemic, and you couldn't go anywhere, and without my program, mm-hmm. without my acceptance Um, of what I was frightened of. I was frightened I was going to die Mm -hmm. without that program telling me, you know, okay, Pat, 
You've done the best you can up until this point. This, there is nothing we can do. Doctors are doing what they can do. You have no control. Um, <laughs> I did find that I am terribly controlling because um, <laughs> when I finally got out of hospital and Christmas was still piled on my dining room table and the house is a disaster and, and I'm, I've got sponsors saying to me, it doesn't matter that it's still not put away. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, and you learn about yourself under those circumstances. But at no time, I, I will tell you how grateful I am at no time. No, that's not true. Um, did the concept of a drink mm -hmm. come into that play? Because it was a good five, six months of, of stuff. The medication issue and I'll share this one because it was it's important for me to to remember it I was in a lot of pain and um, I was having to have surgery and the nurse had come in and they said okay you really do need something and um, I agreed and I got a shot of morphine mm -hmm. um, and I was able to sleep and I was able to go the next day, the nurse came around, around about the same time, mm -hmm. and said, well, so how are you feeling, you know? You got pain? You know, we, we can do this. And I would, I will be, I, I can't. It took me everything I had to say, no thank you. Mm. No thank you. Mm -hmm. um, I'm okay, I can take some Tylenol. That was, at, I, at that point, 33 years sober. Mm -hmm. I shared it with my sponsor. I shared it with friends because it was a flash to tell me my disease mm -hmm. is always with me. Mm -hmm. And whether people hear that, it to me, it was a very important moment mm -hmm. because... I didn't do drugs, I didn't do opioids, but oh my God, did I, did it kick up? Yep. It, it kicked up. That's what I'm terrified of too, is like I, if I have a legitimate reason again to take medication like that and being able to control myself, because I didn't think that's what it's it's like, I'd be like, hit me again, my shoulder still hurts. Right, <laughs> and, and that, was, that was the dilemma. Mm -hmm. And it was my higher power, there was my program, mm -hmm. and there was that disease. Mm -hmm. Um, I am eternally grateful that I was, I did, and I said, no, thank you, it's mm. okay. Um, felt, funnily enough, felt ashamed to share it at a meeting, but did, mm -hmm. you know. Um, see, even then, I think we sometimes, you know, <laughs> I don't know. The pride gets there. <laughs> that's the word. Okay, that's the word. It is pride. Is, I'm struggling. I don't want people to know that I'm struggling. Or you like are. something came up. Or like there's some things I don't want to share. Like I like you said, like oh, I was really in it. Like sometimes I I know it's good to get it out, but sometimes I just don't want to. I don't want you to think any different of me. Like Absolutely. And that part of for me and my sobriety is really really difficult, and it comes up and it rears its head sometimes. And, it's like I really gotta let it out, and mm -hmm. I can't hide behind it. I'll try and dance around it sometimes yes. instead of saying yeah. straight out exactly what's there. Mm -hmm. And that is why the relationship with a sponsor mm -hmm. that is safe and that you trust mm -hmm. is absolutely, to me, um, one of the cornerstones of this program. Mm -hmm. As I said, Susan was my sponsor for thirty-two years. Um, year two years ago, she. Um, she developed Alzheimer's mm. and then um, cancer mm. and um, was in a, a, nurse, a resident nursing home and passed away. Mm. Um, it, it, it was really the deepest, most intimate relationship I'd had mm. with anybody, yeah. longer than my mother because I'd left that, mm -hmm. you know, 3,000 miles away. But without that relationship, without me willing to trust that she meant no harm, that she had every concern for me, which I believed she unconditionally, she, she respected and wanted me to be sober. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that when we can find that, and if you find it, mm-hmm. hang on to it. Mm-hmm. Hang on to it because um, it is such a freeing thing to be able to mm-hmm. sit there and just <laughs> tell her, as we've done, all of us in our fourth and fifth, mm-hmm. things that we're not going to maybe tell anybody else and don't have to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but also be able to tell them, you know, yeah, I really don't like my kids today and what, you know. What's <laughs> 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 can I get rid of them, you know? Why right. is being miserable? <laughs> I, just, I just want to try. I don't even want to go home. Like you say, yeah, it's also yeah. you have to be on the shows because sometimes it's just you got to let the crazy out too. But you got to have someone you can trust and say yeah. that to. And then yes. the response is, also, what are you grateful for? Like you said, like you, said it's, you know, I mean, what's going on? Have you prayed today? It's like, stop turning the light on me. Let me yeah. shine it on someone else. Clearly. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Do you both have a good sponsor? You're happy with your sponsors? Yeah. I yeah. Love, my first sponsor, when we moved here from Vegas, I had such a hard time because I loved my first sponsor that I had in Vegas. I'd had her for years. I'd come through the steps a few times with her because every time I relapse, I'd start over. And I really struggled when I first got here. It was like, it's a struggle. it was so hard because I didn't want to let go of her. I loved her. I could tell her everything. I really trusted her and like valued her opinion or mm-hmm. she always leaded me back to God. And then I don't know. Yeah. Like I relapsed. And then when I got out of rehab, I, I found a woman in the town I was living in. And I, she's still my sponsor today. It was exactly like, she's like the same, you know, like it's, leads me back to God and is so gladly and kind. Like she's such a gentle voice. I just love calling her because she's so calm. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what yeah. have we done to connect with nature today? I feel like, <laughs> <laughs> have you gone and put your feet in the grass? <laughs> so, yeah. Like, who would have thought to be, to bring that into our lives? I mean, mm-hmm. when, when I was drinking and it was, it was such a whirl, mm-hmm. you know, it never dawned on me to just, I mean, I would tell myself I'm poetic and I'm quite, you know, literal. You know, I've got yeah. this sense of beauty, <laughs> you know. But um, it, it really wasn't true. And, it, you know, and it's taken all of that input mm-hmm. to sort of redirect mm-hmm. and be willing. Be willing to accept. Be willing to be redirected. Yeah. Bird watching. Like who's got time to bird watch? I guess I love birds. I love stuff, and I have an Apple iPhone. I'm like, oh, it's snow. It's it's it's, 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 I'm like, who? Who am I? You know, it's a Saturday morning. I'm sitting outside. It's quiet. I'm all like listening to the birds. Wonderful. Wonderful. What is this nonsense? You know. I think that's amazing and gorgeous. Bird feeder. Oh, I have. Yeah, I have several. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm just watching your puppies. No, they're there. just going crazy. Yeah. They are. They're they just are. playing. They sound like they're killing each other, but they're playing. They're playing. Yeah. They're playing. <laughs> they just they sound terrible, but they're just playing. Oh. Yeah, it's been such a, a you know, the same thing we hear all the time, you know. It, it's opened up a life that I never imagined. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a life beyond my wildest Which dreams. dreams. You suggest. Absolutely. Like, what does that even mean? Like, now I know. Like, I used to think I just needed a rich man and a big house and lots of things. And that's all I thought I needed. Like, and now I have a home and a husband that loves me, or says he does. And two wonderful dogs and, like, a good home group and women around me. And I do service. Like, I would never do service for anybody. Like, I think doesn't we become right-sized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really do, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, at different times I've worked for people with a lot of money. I was secretary. I used to do personal secretary work for women who needed a secretary to run their home. Okay, mm-hmm. this, That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, kids and blah, blah, blah. And so I've seen it all. Um, and again, AA said, you know, just... Just keep it right-sized, Pat. Mm-hmm. Just keep it right-sized, you know. You, it's, uh, and, and that voice from our fellowship, when the crazies start coming in, you know, then it was, no, you're, you're doing it again, Pat. You know, you're getting really arrogant and you're getting really grandiose. Mm-hmm. And you might as well accept, no, you are never going to have millions of dollars, so get over it. <laughs> that's, that's, that's it. And the want for me, it's the want for more. What do I got to do is and the more power of my job, the more stuff like that. Like, that's something I struggle with a lot, too. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. Unfortunately, I've been successful and I'm doing well in my career. And it's the same thing, and like, I have to, but I have to, like, I find I have to check myself a lot. Like I said, pride, ego, and all that creep. I agree. In, and yeah. I have to really try and 
practice these principles in all my affairs and try and check myself on that stuff. And it's really difficult. It is, I think it is an ongoing journey there mm-hmm. because the experiences and what's coming in, being input, you know, you have to constantly sort of take that temperature, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just see. Um, and, you know, there, there's something quite... Uh, it feels good to be successful. It mm-hmm. does. Mm-hmm. But again, you know... I, my spot, Susan had said, my defects brought into balance will be my assets. Mm-hmm. And I remember that a lot. So, you know, that drive to get me there brought into balance made me a, a good employee and a good, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that was important for me to remember that, um, you know, out of balance, boy. Mm-hmm. You know, I can be one of those class A women bitches. So, <laughs> you know, and I marched. Let me tell you, I did all my marching about glass wind ceilings. You know. I <laughs> know. <laughs> before I got sober, girls used to call me a bully, and I was like, I'm not a bully. I just tell the truth. Okay. As like, a bully. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> well, you can. No, then we're good. <laughs> Reserve that comment for later. <laughs> <laughs> this was great. Thank yeah, you thank so you. Much. We really well, good. I hope I didn't on. talk too much. No, oh, this, this was perfect. great. This yeah, was this, great. Yeah, thank okay. you so much. Okay. Thank you so much. And I am going to go home to wonton soup and, mm. and some. Mm. <laughs> the car blesses little cotton socks bought, and it's going to be waiting there. <laughs> and I don't have to get dashing up in the morning. I, I really want to wish you good luck with this. I think this is a great thing. I really do. And I hope you get as much fun and joy out of it as, as I have tonight. It was yeah, fun. We love yeah, it. Thank I love you it. so much. So we really yeah. appreciate you coming on tonight. That um, was good. That was great. We have a great way of closing. Also, okay. if anyone is looking to get into service, Central Connecticut Intergroup is in need of people for service. Um, you can go on our website, ccti-aa.org, to volunteer. Also, our intergroup meeting is tonight um so it'll be the first tuesday also of next month (laughs) (laughs) yes so we have a nice closing with uh, the wee version of the serenity prayer god god grant grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change the courage to change the things we can and the wisdom to know the difference difference.